0: That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today.
1: hey everyone welcome to from the kitchen table i'm sean duffy along with my co-host for the podcast my partner in life and my wife rachel campos duffy
0: sean it's great to be back at the kitchen table and today you know the news has been so heavy and it's been kind of depressing and i thought i have the perfect guest
1: someone that's gonna lift us up
0: someone who's going to lift us up because she has a new book um, about that topic, but let me just first introduce us her. We are going to be joined by actress and author. Um, you might know her from Northern Exposure. She was she had a role on Dallas, um, but she starred with Anthony Hopkins and Solace. She's also been on Friday Night Lights. I think on the third third third, um, season. third season of it, which I love that series as well. Um, it's Janine Turner, and she's here with her book, um, The Pivot Principle. Finding joy in despair. Janine, welcome to the kitchen table.
2: So wonderful to be here, and I saw y'all briefly earlier. It's just great to see the two of you. What a what an amazing, uplifting uh, example the two of you are with your faith and your commitment to one another and your beautiful family. It's it's a real it's a real joy to be with you this morning.
0: So we're gonna just let everyone know right off the bat that we have known Janine for a long time because we have, we have. <laughs> and actually Janine doesn't even realize what an impact. She has had on our family's life and specifically on the life of our daughter, Evita, who who comes often onto this podcast, um, who writes for the Federalist. When Evita was only like 11 or 12 years old, she entered age was like seven or eight. Was she even, was she young? Yeah, you're right. yeah, you're right. You're right. She she's was. Young. She was like eight, maybe nine, 10, really? 10. It was 2010. Yeah. yeah so she could have been 11. She
1: was 11. Okay. 11. Right.
0: I was closer.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: we get all their birthdays wrong. All the <laughs> There's so but many. You have of them. a lot of children. <laughs> So, so Janine started an organization. She was the founder and the chair of Constituting America, co-chair of Constituting America. And this was an organization that, by the way, you hit the nail on the head very early on of what the problem in America was. Um, and that was that we weren't teaching our kids about the Constitution, about our founding fathers. You started this organization years and years ago to educate children about the uh, the Constitution and our founding fathers. Evita entered an art contest and she won and you and we were living in little rural Wisconsin
1: at the time Wisconsin at the time
0: and 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 Janine and Kathy Gillespie who co-chaired this organization actually came to our hometown to sort of give her this award and they were part of this 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 video that they were making and I'm telling you Janine that experience experience of, of trying to do something th- that was based on on our constitution and winning had a huge impact on her life
2: oh i'm so glad to hear that 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 just that's the purpose the purpose of our <laughs> foundation is to uplift children and and have them you know, feel, pr- feel proud about their 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 calling in life for a career whatever their talents are and of course evita is a fabulous artist um, but also to couple that with the Constitution and country, so to, to combine the the career and the craft and the talent with love of country and to imbue those two things together and carry it with them through life. And oh, my gosh, what a doll Evita Duffy is. And when we met, I met you, Rachel, you were there. And we yeah. recorded her, and we have this little video, and we still show it. It's like, what, 13, 14 years later, we still <laughs> show this video to the students in the classroom of Vivita saying, i I'm Vivita Duffy. And she shows, you know, she talks about her artwork and how she won. And I'm, I'm very happy to hear that that this inspired her. But look, she has the two of you to inspire her as well. And she is also just a phenomenal young, young woman, as is Jack, who also won the contest he did I he he, Matt. Young Matt. Yes. Yeah. he did he did as well i can
0: still remember evita and jack you know drawing and 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 i remember evita probably drew and redrew What she ended up turning in. So many drafts. She was so into it. And then to to see that hard work pay off, and same for Jack, I think that experience of of doing something, it's just super formative.
1: But, Janine, you were ahead of your time. I think so many people talk about what's happening in America today. And we're going to get your book in a second, but things are devolving, falling apart. The norms, um, the morals by which we once lived have been, I mean, falling away so rapidly. And I think you must have seen that back in 2010, twenty ten, twenty two thousand and nine, and said, you know, I think it's important that our kids understand the Constitution, understand the importance of what our founders gave us in that document. And you had an idea with Kathy Gillespie to go, we, we want to inspire young kids to to learn about it, to understand it, to be involved with it, to make it real, you know, today as opposed to two hundred and you know forty years ago. How did it come to be that you were like, you know, what we're going to launch this organization? four kids in the Constitution?
2: I think it's an innate love of country. Um, And, you know, my father was a a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point. So he was a West Pointer. Um, And I was raised with, he flew the B-58 Hustler, which was a nuclear bomb uh, aircraft. And his mission was to drop, you know, if if the Cold War, you know, if the Cold War developed, was to go to Russia, drop the bomb, and he wouldn't have made it home because they couldn't refuel that particular plane. So, you know, I was raised with, jets over my head <laughs> He has an air, he was right. in the air force back then it was air force army when he graduated and um but also i had a wonderful fifth grade teacher um at eagle mountain elementary in fort worth texas north fort worth texas with cows in the playground you know what i mean and mm-hmm. he's it was his first year of teaching and he spent the entire year doing kind of exactly what we're doing combining the arts with history and with, with uh, you know, government. And we rehearsed the entire year the play, 1776. And I was Martha mm-hmm. Jefferson. And my really good friend, Phil Taylor, who's a judge actually for the artwork um, de- department, he was in my class and he and I still talk about this experience. 30, what, 30, 40 years later, we still wow. talk about it. Um, and, uh, he, we spent the entire year rehearsing the play and then we put on the play at the end of the year. And then we, we went on a field trip and and saw 1776. And so, but even before that, in, in sometimes I think you're just, you know, God taps you on the shoulder and gives you a little mission in life. But I remember when I was eight years old, before fifth grade, I looked up at my father and said, dad, if our founding fathers were to come back today, what would they be most disappointed about? I mean, you know, sort of like what eight-year-old asked that question. Uh, by the way, my father, my father thought about it for a minute, and he said uh, he's a very quiet man. You know, he thought about it, and he looked down at me, and he said, "Taxes."
0: <laughs> that he's he's truly in the revolutionary spirit with that. You know what? It's so funny that you say that you you did this in, fi- in in fifth grade, and then you went to see seventeen seventy six. That is a field trip that would only happen in classical academies today. Um, at classical schools mm-hmm. in America. Those things are just not celebrated. It's not happening. And it's just it breaks my heart to 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 know that we're these kids are they're they're just not getting the same stuff we got.
2: Well, first of all, you know, we have to get them off the cell phones and get the earplugs out of their ears. You know, whatever they're called. Uh, you know, I'm 60. It's so like earplugs. I call them headphones, whatever they are in their ears. <laughs> Airpods. Uh, it, it's, they have to put that down um, in the classroom. They've got to show up to the classroom. I've gi- I've given over seven, you know about 600 speeches to students in the classroom. Um, but also what I think is super important and one of the things I try to do with the students when I when I speak with them in the classroom is and it's a, sometimes it's in person, sometimes it's via Zoom. But and these are this is a free service we offer through Constituting America. Um, but is to say this is why it matters. This mm-hmm. is why it matters. You know, instead of just giving a, a worksheet and say, okay, a bill goes through Congress, da-da-da-da, and then it goes to the president. This is how it works for the students to understand that no, it's 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 a government that governs by our consent. And the Declaration of Independence, which is the golden apple, according to Abraham Lincoln, and then the frame that protects that apple is the Constitution, which says "We the People." It doesn't say "We the Government." We, the state, it says, we, the people. So I want, I try to have the the students really understand that they are important in this process and they can use in that. And the checks and balances are important that government doesn't become too powerful. And also to realize that there are a billion plus people all across the world that still don't have these rights that we want. So it's explained to the students why it matters. Just like we did a study, a 90 day study at Constituting America, that was kind of my brainchild, that it was to really explain why America is exceptional. Because it's like we throw that, we toss that around, and there's, you know, 40% of the country says, no, it's not. But he's like, well, how and why are we exceptional? So we walked through, you know, how the constitution has prevented us from falling. And we walked, we started with Greece and Rome and the Venice Republic and walked all the way through you know, uh, the Civil War and World War One and World War II and Stalin and Mao and how the constitutions continue to protect us. So I think instead of just getting a worksheet in the classroom, this is how the government works, students really need to understand and adults too, that it, it's us. It, they they govern by our consent. Um, and then also just to understand why it matters and how to utilize the government. And then I think students feel empowered.
1: You know, Janine, that's, that's such an important point because if you don't teach your kids the importance of the rights that they have why they actually have these rights how do they come into being why did the founders give them to us in the founding documents you don't really care so much to give them up and if you start to lose them you don't realize you're losing anything because you don't understand how significant those rights are and what troubles me today is it seems like there's this new dynamic that the people serve the government the government doesn't serve the people which is why you can have an fbi and a doj Or the CIA target a president who won an election, or they can target just average Americans for voicing their opinions that are guaranteed to have the right to speak their minds through the First Amendment of the Constitution. They're targeted because they are exercising those rights. And that's what troubles me today is we've fallen so far away from the ideas that our founders had, but the ideas that you're talking about in the classroom around america
0: or that they don't realize kids don't even know that our rights come from god which is the way our founders set it up so then they're not
1: no one can take them away no one should
0: be able to take them away during COVID, i mean we talk about this a lot i thought i think the universities were some of the most communist places to be during COVID. i mean they they didn't let you know kids you know, go to class to classes or register or get Wi-Fi if they weren't vaccinated. And it was they created an apartheid system for the vaccinated and unvaccinated. They did so many unconstitutional things on campus that were even worse than what we experience in the general public. And the kids just kind of went along with it. There were very few dissenters. Um, My daughter was one of them at the University of Chicago, but she was a total outcast for trying to defend her own rights and body, bodily autonomy um, while on campus. Speaking of daughters, I do want to mention that you have an amazing daughter yourself and she's at Harvard Law. Is she studying constitutional law? Well, I
2: don't think that's her focus per se. Um, well, yeah. I don't know, you know. <laughs> it's like she spends more time talking to me about her social life than about the law. <laughs> and I'm really actually very interested in the law. She's, uh, she's engaged now, but, constant, but, but it's funny. I, because I still, I still, you know, I've written a musical, and 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 the the arts is still very important to me. I said, Julia, it's really interesting that you didn't, you didn't uh, follow in the footsteps of of the movie industry, though. Who would really want that? And she says, "Mom, are you kidding? On the way to ballet class, you would have me read the Federalist Papers out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you did it." <laughs> <laughs> but she, she is uh, the good. The good news. Um, but from my, my perspective is, and actually there are re- quite a few elements of, of Harvard Law that are conservative. It's considered one of the more conservative Ivy League law schools. Mm-hmm. And she has found more conservatives and Christians um, it, it, that support her beliefs uh, in the federal society. She has a, a, a position in the federal, federal Society at Harvard Law than she did at Rice in Texas um so she really has more friends more people that think the way she does at harvard law which is really surprising people wouldn't think that well that's very heartening for sure that is heartening. so speaking mm-hmm. of heart
0: about your book because i do think a lot of people are feeling despair for all the reasons we just talked about on the podcast um every time they turn their tv on every time you know they see what you know social media feed is coming through to their kids and all these things that we can't seem to control and I think a lot of people are are feeling despair. And your book called The Pivot Principle, Finding Joy in Despair, couldn't come at a better time. So talk to me about why you wrote the book and what people can, can learn about how to deal with their own despair in their life.
2: Well, one of the pivot principles is love and service. And so I, I really compiled this book to be of service because it's sort of just, I don't know, the the kernel of and that's kind of how I operate. <laughs> you know I mean? Okay. I've gone through this difficult time. I survived it. Now, how can I share and be a steward of my wound, so to speak, and reach out and help others with it? I think that's a foundation of my faith and and everything. Um, so when I first wrote the book, it, 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 it wasn't with the intention of when I writing a book, I was just trying to survive my own kind of, um, uh, what would you say at uh gap years of of loneliness and um then covid came in the middle of that and uh my daughter uh went off to chicago and during covid and i was i was alone on this this ranch but also sort of when she went to college you put all these years into your children um well, my for the two of us i was a single mom cuz her dad just never came around and um so which was the greatest gift in the world. And we were so incredibly close. And then she goes to college. So you know you think you're fine. You're going along like a oh, cool, you know, I'm working. Everything's good. And then I don't know, I was sort of hit with a whammy uh, around those COVID years. And um, so I was I was dealing with a lot of um, I sort of had lin- linear trauma in my life uh, through various for various reasons. And boy, that's, it's really interesting when you're alone and you're in that echo chamber of your own subconscious and these things are, you know, I hate to say it, but they really kind of are triggered, you know? Um, and so I had to learn how to walk through panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And I really wanted to understand what was happening. Um, and that I've learned that the amygdala, which is the, one of the emotional, you know, primal reptilian aspects of the brain, when you have trauma that you may not even realize you've had uh, triggered by something that's happening currently in your life, and you kind of have stereo trauma, um, that reptilian brain is triggered. And what happens when they've realized in MRIs is that the amygdala sort of lights up, uh, which is the reptilian, which is the fight, flight, freeze or fawn, It's, it's sort of, I just need to survive this, but everything else in the brain goes dark. So it's really hard to cope in those moments. So one of the things that I've done through poetry and writing and all the skills that I've learned that I share in this book is, is just sort of the basic knowledge as well as how to get out of that, how to turn that light bulb back on, you know, the, the logic in your brain back on and to realize that when because I think that there are so many Americans that are dealing with loneliness, with despair, yeah. with depression um, and, and to say, you know, it's OK if you can just understand. To me, if I can understand what's happening, then mm-hmm. I I kind of have a logic around it and I can get through it um, and also just to not give up before the miracle. I've been on the edge many times feeling so sad and so lonely. And so that I, but to just say, tomorrow is a new day and don't give up before the miracle.
1: We'll be right back with much more after this.
0: Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro life, pro family views, then every life is your solution. Every Life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today.
1: You know, Jeanine, there's there are there are so many people who feel despair in their lives and loneliness and sadness, um, and I think a lot of it comes from this and the younger people as well. This new addiction to the phones that connect us in such a profound way, but leave us all so lonely, um, whether Empty. it's on social social media. And so, as as someone might be going through those moments of really tough times, what advice do you have to go, you know what, this is what you can do to help you see that light, to to, to see your pathway through darkness um, into happiness and and light again?
2: One of the things is turn the phone off. I mean, don't go to social media. Social media can even make me depressed, right? I, I I go and look, oh my God, you know, my life is just such a failure. Look at everybody else having that great day. And the irony is they might be having a great moment and then their whole day may fall apart, but we don't know that. And I think that social media can be really troubling. But I in my pivot principles, one of the things I did is I I took the pain that I was feeling and immediately for survival just wrote it down. Um and I didn't care and, and I hear music And you know, poetry in my head. I've always been a poet since I was young. So I kind of put it to and then and then it became when I, I didn't even worry if the words were good or if they if it made any sense. I just wrote. So it doesn't matter if you're a good writer or not. But what happened for me is that with the poetry, it sort of then became a, like a crossword puzzle. Like, oh, how does this word? And I need to rhyme this word. And then I, before I knew it, I was focused in that and I was turning the logic back on in my brain. So one mm. of my pivot principles mm. is is to actually pick up the pen because you can write anything down. You can tear the letter up later, but that's one of the survival tools as well as other things I talk about, like uh, intuition, which is a form of sort of connecting to God and listening to yourself, turn everything off, listen to yourself, higher power. Where would we be without God? Um, Mm -hmm. And I I have some other things like nature, history, history is really cool. Actually it could be a hobby, whatever your hobby may be, but, just to take the history and learn about your genetics, learn about your family, yeah. that can be fun. You know? So it's things yeah. of that nature that really helped me get out of it. But the poetry was, was my, um, it's a, a lot of poetry in the book because poetry, and I'll stop talking, it, but poetry is so cool because you can, you can read it and go, oh, someone else feels how I feel and you can imbue whatever you want into it. So I have despairing poetries, a pivot principle, how to get out of that despair and then joyous poems.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm a writer at heart, so that is very appealing to me. I'm not not so much poetry, but just the idea of getting your feelings out and in onto paper. And I think that that's that's a really powerful way to sort of let it let it out. So it's not sort of boiling up inside of us. Um, I think that's very true. And I, I do did COVID. I mean, COVID has done something like to the whole country, I think. And I don't think everybody is even I don't think we're even close to processing what those two years did, not just cognitively to kids and, and special needs kids, but I just mean kind of what you're talking about, like psychologically, it was a weird, it, w- it was a psyop for one, but it was also so lonely for so many people, um, especially the elderly and, and and people who, who couldn't, you know, find their way out. I I just think it was, it, we're still processing it. Don't you think?
2: Absolutely. I, I think that it it was, um, a, a real, a, 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 I just think loneliness is at the core of it. And it's one of my points is loneliness lingers everywhere, <laughs> you know what I mean? which actually the Kirkus review thought was one of my best, best points, but it, it's, it's just, um, we are still processing it. It just gave, it, we were all in the echo of our subconscious and, yeah. uh, and sometimes some families, you know, the kids came home and that was great. You were know, with family, but and, but for a lot of us, it was a, it was a rather lonely, lonely time. So I, I think that there are good things that came out of it. In a way, Zoom is good. And in a way, you, you know, these podcasts and all the, the way that we continue to learn to connect, but nothing beats actually meeting with a person face to face. Um, actually turning all electronics off, reading a book, you know, going to a church group. Uh, oh, and I do, you know what I started, which actually is through Zoom, but it's been revolutionizing for my life and it, to help with this loneliness, is everyone has this pocket of the day when they sort of feel um, not their happiest part of their day. Some people say end of the day, and for me, it's the beginning of the day. So I used to always read devotions, and, the, and I thought, you know, I just need to do something else. So I learned this through my church, but I started a prayer group, not a Bible study group, just prayer. And you get on, We get, I get everybody together via Zoom or connect via the phone, and five deep breaths to just kind of center, read Bible verses, um, and then we all just pray when the Lord moves us to pray. And it's for 30 minutes only. There's no crosstalk. No one has to be worried about being trapped on a phone call. And you just pray. And then you get off exactly at, in 30 minutes. And it has revolutionized my life um, because it doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory all the time, but I mean, it's revolutionized my life because I've realized what it means when Jesus said, when two or more are gathered, I'm in the midst of them. I thought, well, wait a minute. Aren't you with me? All? It's fine. I'm alone too. But what I realized is when two or more are gathered, the Lord speaks through us to each other.
1: That's fascinating. Yes. Janine, and I, you, you, you bring up an interesting point because so often social media is disconnecting and lonely, but this is a way through zoom where you're actually engaging on a very personal level with people you, you, you i imagine you can see each other or at least hear each other and it's an organic um you know prayer session which i think is really really cool rachel and i did a podcast it must have been a couple years ago where we were talking about with uh, this expert who who's written several books about depression and he was talking about the act you, you mentioned nature but the act of gardening. And what that does mm-hmm. to tend- what it does for depression. Also, the to, to your point of connectivity, actually seeing someone in person, having a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or a conversation or a walk with someone, does leaps and bounds for 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 people's psyche. And as a as a as a culture, as human beings, we used to do this all the time. People sat on their front porches and they would walk up and down the street and they would yes. see each other and they would tell stories and. It's a it's very part of the human experience. And over the last 10, 15 years, we've gotten so far away from that. And the net end result is loneliness. And so if we go back to these core human principles of faith, of nature, and connecting with other people, which can be hard sometimes. And it was hard during COVID, as you and Rachel are talking about, but also sometimes just putting yourself out there to have that relationship, to have that. Uh, the the connection with someone for a cup of coffee or a phone call or a Zoom call or a walk does so much. And I I think so often people want to become isolated in their homes and on social media. And I don't think there's even the understanding of what that does to their mental state. Sean,
2: we don't even
0: design our communities for that kind of interaction. If you think about it, the way towns were designed in the past, you would walk past, you know, there was, you had to walk places or there were porches that you walked by people's homes and they were sitting on their porches. You know, we don't even design our communities to have that kind of interaction. So then, which we should think about why we don't do that. We should go back to that. But actually, we have to be much more intentional, which is, I think, your point, Janine, right? That we have to be more intentional about that human contact.
2: You know, you, it's funny what you say about houses. Houses aren't even designed with front porches anymore. People, I know. They, people used to have front porches, and they go sit on the front porch. And enter, to interact with people is absolutely pivotal for sanity. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and we've all sit home, and we don't even go to the movies really anymore. We sit at home and watch Netflix, and it's just easy, and people sit together. But, but there's a, there's a wonderful book that, you know, I, I'm not endorsing this book. I haven't, I've read the first part of it, not all of it, but it, it talks about the body keeps the score and you, you have to be able to get it out. Um, and whether it's on paper I and mean, you could talk about gardening, they talk about the arts or just drawing anything, coloring it, it, it just, you have to, it was taking a walk, all the things that you talked about just to find a hobby. And you know what I think about Rachel and Sean, I think about you and I, You and I remember these days, do you remember the day where you just awaken and you just are happy to be amongst, to go to school or to go to work and the sky is blue and you're happy? Now we awaken like Atlas, you know, with this weight on us of all the problems of the world. You know, our children think the sky is, you know, the whole the environment's going to crave, you know, the whole earth's going to explode in a year. I mean, there's just too many troubles. I heard someone speak once, I was really true. We used to worry only about our tribe. You know, we had, like Jesus says, where those are enough. The day carries enough troubles for our own little community. And now we're carrying the community, the troubles of the entire world. And I talk about okay. that in my book, that we can't fix that. There's, we, there's nothing we can do about it. So we walk around with this whoa like out of a Just Isky novel, right? It's like, oh my God, it's all so heavy. How you know, how yes. how can I get through this? So it's finding a way to, I don't know, disconnect from all of it in a way. But I miss those days where I just wake up and I don't have something really terrible to worry about. You know, we were we've been talking about
0: this on the podcast as well, Janine, that our bodies, our minds are we're not we're not wired or made to process this much information about the world. Like you said, we, and, and our solution is, you know, if I think about all the problems in the world, everything going on in the Middle East, everything going on, you know, in in the world, the fact that we're almost on, on the brink of world war three, it it can be, again, it can give you despair. It's daunting. And the only way to handle it for me is when I feel that way, like, and and there are days that I wake up and I feel really anxious about what's going on in the world and, and hopeless that we can actually change anything here. Then I have to go s- smaller and go, okay, what can I actually affect change? And the only thing we can do is our family, is our, you know, our relationships, our kids, um, you know, Sean and, and, and our friends. And that is the community that we have to build. And it could be a church community, it could be a um, you know, a school community, a family. These are the things we have to focus on because I think it's just too overwhelming.
2: You are exactly right. And it, it is so overwhelming. And I think about prayer too. When I become so overwhelmed, I just start to pray and to say, you know, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, I, I give this to you because you can do so much more than I can do and guide me how you want me to be of service in this situation. And that's one of the reasons I put together this book um, is, is to have people try to find some hope uh, you know, joy through, through the despair. You know, it's not, it's not black and white. It's like life is difficult, but there's joy in it. Um, but it, I pray to God and say, you know, what's, what's my purpose. And I think that's, what's sort of missing, missing in this me, this me-ness that's sort of happening around uh, the, the rising generations, like me, 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 me. But, you know, we really need to be focused on higher power. And I, I think that with, with uh, faith is incredibly, incredibly a touchstone to, to just to, to, uh, not only to get through life, but to realize that there's a purpose in my life beyond, beyond yeah. just me. Well, who am I? What, what am I? I guess guess what a purpose. Everybody needs a purpose. You know, I, I, I kind of look at it this way. Having my industry has been all about beauty.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I learned a very long time ago that the thinner I tried to get or the per- most perfect, the more perfect I tried to look, the more frustrated I became because it was never going to happen. Um, and I had to learn that it's really a spiritual job. It's an inside job. Um, and I need to just turn it over to God and and let him guide me as to, to why I'm here, because the spirit is everlasting. Um, and if you ever think about the spirit, we age but the spirit, our spirits inside always kind of seem young. Well, that's that eternal timelessness of our spirit. So we're here just to serve a purpose. and And it may just be in our community. It doesn't have to be worldwide, but it gets us beyond just thinking about, what the world owes me, what government owes me, what what everybody owes me. And I I worry about that kind of mentality.
1: So often we do think so many people think just about themselves. And if you start to give to others, people who may be in more need than yourself, um, you're happier. Those who volunteer are happier people uh, when studies have been done. I also think it's important what you know, too, about about faith um, and religion and God we all as we all go through really hard times in our life some go through harder times than others and you think of those who go through that by themselves without any faith I don't know I don't frankly I don't know how they do it I don't know how they can get up in the morning but you're never alone right if you're a believer you can always share this with with your father with someone who has gone through just as much or more than likely way more than you'll ever go through on the cross um and I just I think that is it's it, that is it is the rock of 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 a person's life when they have faith it can get them through the most challenging of times that would blind you with I mean how 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 difficult it is but people get through it because um, because of the faith also I just when you mentioned too uh, about the difficult time in the morning um and the loneliness that comes I think that's why we're coming up on Thanksgiving we're coming up on Christmas and I know these are holidays that can be very challenging for people especially when they're alone but so many people look forward to it because you might have a little time off and your family gets together and there really is that the people they they, yes we will fight with you know politics and there'll be a whole bunch of conversations but the craziness of our families and getting together and the joy that comes from that is real which is why we all look forward Um, so often to the holiday season, I think for
0: some people, the holidays can be, you know, can bring more despair in some ways because, um, maybe they don't have that family or maybe they have broken relationships, but it is always that opportunity to do that. We'll be back with much more after this.
3: Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth.
0: You know, Janine, I'm so fascinated by your career in Hollywood and how you're just so grounded, you're so real, you're so down to earth, and you have um, such a sense of faith and patriotism What am I missing about Hollywood? We, you know, as conservatives, we bash Hollywood a lot. I know there are good people there. But, I mean, you were in at such a young age, too. How did you come out of all of that?
2: (laughs) How did I survive it? Yeah. Yeah, and we're we're talking the 70s. 70s. I was in New York city modeling as a 15 year old in 1970
0: in the way that like we hear about, like in movies, like you're in New York city and like a person sees you and says, do you want to be a model? I mean, it's like, a, like you never
2: hear about that anymore. Well, that that's true. It was a different world. You know, New York city in the seventies. Oh my goodness. Um, and then I was in Hollywood by the age of 17. I graduated from high school a year early. I, I, I you know. So I, I have been a working girl. I mean, really, that's been my focus. It's really been interesting to—I uh, never had those college years, even though I, you know, was straight A, honor, and all that, and could have easily gone to college. My dad said, "Why would you go to college? You're already making so much money right now. <laughs> was like, you go to college to get a career. You already have one." I'm like, "Yeah, but I want to go learn." He goes, "I'm not going to pay all that money for you just to have an intellectual conversation." <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, okay. So <laughs> But I, I think that that it, it was, uh, it, it, and it's something else. It's you have to be tough. Um, you have to be so incredibly tough with a sense of, you know, I, I right before Northern Exposure, I had. Um, now I've been, I I was started at 15. I'm now 27 years old. Before Northern Exposure, and I'd worked. I'd always worked, but not a big break. And I'd gone through a kind of a a, a bit of a dark hole, and I was really really wondering what in the world I was going to do with my life and feeling rather depressed. And I had $8 left to my name. And this is a very long, long story, but, but the bottom line is I fell down to the bottom of the couch and just thought, okay, it's over. It's just like, okay, you want me just, I'll, 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 whatever God, I'll do whatever you want. And, and, um, God said, over as far as the career is concerned, and God said to me, you know, if you listen, God speaks to us. It may not be audible, but, you you know, there's a knowingness of God talking to us. And God said, don't let anybody put out your flame. Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
2: And that flame being... God has given me this purpose and I can't allow all these people to put it out. I mean, you just hear no and no and no over and over and over. It's the most, I mean, all careers can be difficult, but it's just it really a, a rather demoralizing, humiliating career. And you just, and you just have to keep at it and, and just don't let anybody put out your flame and remain tremendously strong about what you know you can do and never take no for an answer. But I never acquiesced my faith to this industry of showbiz and I never acquiesced my my political beliefs and i was engaged to alec baldwin okay <laughs> when i was 20 um so i would sit around a table in hollywood and it wasn't pretty for the one conservative sitting at the table which was me and right. i i was i was essentially told to sit there and not to open my mouth um and i it was those were the reagan days you know
3: mm-hmm.
2: so it, it i was never really a part of the hip crowd because uh i i just i don't know I, i'm a I don't know. I, 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 look the industry. On the flip side, there's a lot of groupthink that happens. We see this groupthink happening everywhere. And I'm more of an independent thinker, um, and I'm not going to sacrifice my soul or my spirit or my values or my morals to accomplish this. I'll accomplish it. I'll take the long road, you know, to get there. Mm -hmm. But um, on the flip side, there are a lot of really good people in Hollywood. You can't stereotype an entire industry, which it tends to happen, you know. I can sometimes even feel that way. But it, it's an industry that does have a lot of good people that are wanting to do a lot of good work. And um, there are a lot of people that try to want to lift, whether they're Democrats or Republicans or have faith or don't, they, they feel, you know, actors are sort of emotional people and they empathize quite deeply. And they want to try to make the world a better place. So there are a lot of great people in the industry. And the film industry, once you get that job, can be actually really pretty wonderful. (laughs) But you have to get the job. Of course. course. But as
0: you said, you hear a lot of no. And I saw, I I believe I read that you almost got the job in Endless Love that Brooke Shields got. Do you feel like you dodged a bullet a little bit in that one?
2: Oh, that's a great story, though. I'll tell it to you in two sentences, yes. But my mother made that decision. I met, I, Frankl Zaffarelli had directed in um, Romeo and Juliet, the, the one with Olivia Hussey in Black and White. Right. And he worked with Elizabeth Taylor and Taming of the Shoe. And, and I read in the paper, we're talking in the 70s, that Frankl Zeffrelli was doing a national tour for, to, find, to discover his next you know Olivia Hussey. And I was like, that's me. So I meet with the casting director. This is a typical Hollywood right here. I'll say it in three sentences. I met with the casting director in Dallas. And she said, no, I don't think you're right. Well, I could have stopped there, right? Well, then this 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 agent wanted to represent me in Hollywood. He goes, "Come out to Hollywood. I want to represent you." And I said, "Well, I'll come out and meet you in Hollywood, but I want to meet Franco Zeffirelli." Even this woman in Dallas had already said no to me. So I meet a producer in in uh, California who kind of had his head down the whole time, and he didn't really pay any attention to me. I was seventeen, and he said, um, "But he said no. She's not right." I'm like, "I just have to get to Franco Zeffirelli." I was seventeen, and so this agent uh, and uh, this other agent. uh in new york said i want to represent you come to new york I said, well I'll, I'll go to new york but i want to meet franco zeffirelli and so i get to new york city and i meet sally hughes and barry Massell, and I'll never forget the casting directors i walk in and they said hang on just one minute they went to the back of the room and opened sort of this trap door and they said come in here a minute and in the room was franco zeffirelli wow. and i i do this videotaped interview with him and after I finished, he said to me, because he was Italian, he said, where have you been? And I became his choice. I I was his discovery. So then it became between Franco, who wanted me, and the studio, uh, who wanted Brooke Shields. And I did two film screen tests. and We were all trying to convince, you know, the studio and all this, because Franco I was Franco's choice. And the bottom line is, they finally asked, they wanted me to sign that I would do nudity. Uh, and my mother said... No, she's not going to, she's not going to perform. She's not going to, I hate to say the word, do nudity, but she's not going to perform in the nude. And um, so that was that. And Brooke Shields ended up doing it. Would you even have done it, even if your mom had approved? No, I didn't want to do it. And there were a lot of instances later in my career with actresses that, you know, every script I received, we're talking this late 70s, early 80s. That's why Maggie O'Connell, Northern Exposure was such a great character that I waited for for years. I wanted a character that one could respect. Um, but because all the work I was offered were were TNA roles, you know, hypnotized or, or kidnapped. But it had to be rescued by the A-team. Um, but but they were all <laughs> take your top off. They were all yeah, the wow. team, they were all take your top off, take your top off, take your top off. And I didn't want to do that. And um, so, yeah, kudos to my mom, you know, but but also the the cool aspect of that story is I kept fighting to meet Franco Zeffirelli and everyone was telling me no. So you can apply this in life in general. It's just don't give up before the miracle. And I got there and uh, met Franco Zeffirelli and I was his choice. That that is such a great
0: story. But also, again, kudos to your mom, because Brooke Shields mom did not do as good of a job. Brooke Shields is now, I think, you know, working through a lot of issues, even in her you know 50s now, um, from a lot of the things that happened to her as a young child actor, etc., that her mother exposed her to. And um, so just interesting how, you know, um, like I said, your mom did well. Did <laughs> no
2: question well, about right. that. And you did You'll too. Be glad to hear that. She's, she's 86 and still kicking. My mom, <laughs> my mom would say to me when I was in Texas and I would call the modeling agency to see if there was any work. And i say, hey, it's Janine. And they say, no, no, it's slow right now. So I, my mom, I walked back to my mother and she said, what'd they say? And I said, they said it's slow. And my mom looked at me and she says, it may be slow, but someone's working. It might as well be you, call them back. <laughs>
0: Wow, that is that is also awesome. it it
1: point of never give up. And yep. hard work oftentimes prevails, right? And you can you can never stop. And so often today people, you know, these young people will give up on their dreams or they'll hear you hear no once and you're like, okay, well, I'll go do something else. And the the ones who persevere the ones who squeaky wheel. Up, they they <laughs> they drive forward.
2: The squeaky wheel against grease. Yes. Did did you ever have you ever um watched uh oh gosh it's on the history channel it's uh the the foods that made america or whatever they oh, talk yeah. about coca-cola versus pepsi yep have you ever watched that show it's so amazing because you are, are, are like uh kellogg versus the other one uh post cereals and uh-huh. the, the, it's it's really great for people to watch but how competition really does lift people to higher levels that innate sense of competition that we all have but how, all the the things that happen to them where they could have just given up, you know, the factories burn or this happens or whatever. And they just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. We can't be afraid of hard work. You know, I love that. I can't be
1: afraid of failure.
2: Yes. Yeah. You don't be afraid of failure. You learn more from failure than you learn from from winning. You know, it's like I learned more from that that quiz on that that answer on the test. I didn't get right. than I learned from all the answers I did get correct you know that were correct it's like you learn more from failure than you learn from from the good times if if you're if you if you keep at it
0: that's absolutely true well janine it has been so great talking to you catching up um just hearing about your book the pivot principle finding joy in despair Um, I think, again, I don't think there's a better time for this kind of a message. I think people need it right now more than ever. They need to turn off the news um, and start focusing on their phones and start focusing on relationships, on their spiritual life, because in the end, um, those are the things that really matter. And you really bring that to the forefront and you talk about it in such a beautiful way. Um, Janine, thank you for joining us today. It's just, again, the impact that you've had on our daughter and our son uh, through Constituting America, which by the way, if, if you have children or grandchildren, do check out um, this organization. You can find them online. They're doing amazing work. And you were super prescient in the need to, uh, you know, educate on that topic in particular to save America. And hopefully people will check out the site
2: and get involved as well. I thank both of you. And by the way, my book's available at Amazon or, you know, janineturner.com. You got to do that little plug, right? But I (laughs) have to say, I have to say, I watched the two of you and I am so impressed with both of you, and I thank you for your service to the country. I'm so impressed how you have your faith, your dedication to country, both of you, your dedication to one another. Your the nine children that you exceptional, wonderful children, Avita and Jack, I've met and have dealt with personally are are just talent. I'm sure all of your, I know I know all of your children are, but how you are 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 delightful and wonderful and, and inspiring. But I. I, I, I'm always amazed at how the two of you have raised this family and t- work the way you do, um, um, and your dedication to to and whether it was Congress, Sean, when you were in the Congress, or Rachel and Sean, the way you're both on on television and in New York City and working so hard. Kudos to both of you. I, I admire you
1: both. We appreciate that, Janine. And you we are do. a you are a light. And thanks for again. I think it's I think it's a service to the country to go. You know what? I'm going to share my experiences and sometimes that can be really raw um and people learn when when people are raw in books and sharing their experiences their hardships but also the solutions that brought them out you do that in your book and we're so grateful that you joined us at the kitchen table for a wonderful conversation reconnecting after (laughs) 13 years of constituted america when we met up in in ashton wisconsin janine turner thank you so much
0: thank you janine you're the best oh
2: thank you both thank you so much
0: all right, well, that was really great reconnecting with Janine.
1: Yes, and she's such a wonderful lady and so insightful. And I think it's very cool when you have Hollywood um actresses and actors that will share their, you know, their inside stories, the the trials and tribulations they have in their life. And very cool. I mean,
2: I remember I remember
0: seeing her show, um, Northern Exposure. I mean, she is so beautiful. Um, she was also, by the way, on Dallas. Did Dallas. you know that? I did before
1: the interview that she was on Dallas. <laughs> yeah,
0: she was on Dallas. Um, you start a lot of people also seeing her on some of these Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Um, she's been reappearing that way as well. But um, she's just a fantastic lady, as you can tell. Um, never, never let go of her values. No, she
1: didn't. And you know, she's um someone who did this wonderful work of constituting America as well, which is how we met her. Um, and as you mentioned, it was a big deal for our family when Evita won and Jack won to.
0: Janine Turner came to our little town in Wisconsin. <laughs> we they, couldn't believe they were,
1: it. They were like a road tour, a road. Yeah. They, were, yeah. They, had a, they had a, like a Winnebago. They were coming across the country. Yeah. It was almost like road rules, Janine Turner style. It like
0: was, that. it was a little bit yeah, like that, like a reality show, but boy, we were really impressed that she did that and that she would take the time to, to be part of that organization in such a in such a a real tangible way. It wasn't like she was on some board where they just put her name on it. I mean, she was absolutely very much involved. What a great lady. Her name again, her book again, is The Pivot Principle, Finding Joy in Despair, available at Amazon or at her website, Turner.com.
1: That's right. Listen, everyone, we appreciate Janine Turner, and we want to thank you all for joining us at the kitchen table for this episode. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe. Wherever you get your podcast, you can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com. Again, we encourage you to subscribe, get a notice every time we drop, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday every week. Uh, we love this time that we spend together as a couple and also with all of you talking about the issues of the day that matter from politics to culture to janine turner today yes all right Our have a good one Bye-bye. bye everybody
0: listen ad free with a fox news podcast plus subscription and apple podcast and amazon prime members can listen to the show ad free on the amazon music app